Hi everybody, and welcome to this episode of Surfing the Sixes and Sevens from Sinsel Steps and Development Plus. Local stories and discussions with people in and around Sinsel Bank, the wider Lincoln area and beyond, connecting with each other and spreading your favourite jam on the toast of life as we toddle through the topsy-turvy and surf the sixes and sevens together. Hi, and today I'm delighted to be chatting to Alice Carter on Surfing the Sixes and Sevens. Alice is a senior community organiser with the Lincoln City Foundation, and she's based at the LNER Stadium. The role provides Alice with the perfect fit for her formidable skill set and values. Having studied sport development at uni, Alice also volunteered with community-based projects, and she now loves her varying roles with local residents in Sinsel Bank. She knows how important it is to listen and to be led by people locally according to their own priorities. Alice helps people to discover their own power and potential. Having completed 10 marathons culminating in Chicago last year before the pandemic, as well as leading runs and being passionate about park runs locally, she knows all about hope, perseverance, pacing, determination and achievement as a runner, a leader, and as a community organiser. Alice, it's great to welcome you to today's Surfing the Sixes and Sevens. Hello, Alice, can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you fine, Ian. Great, it's great to chat to you, and I know our listeners are going to be really excited to hear what you might want to share with us today, Alice, so thanks for joining us, and it's great to chat. Cool, no problem. Right, so I was just wondering if I could kick off just by asking um, you where it was that you were born. Uh, I was born in Ipswich uh, in Suffolk, so that's where I'm originally from. Uh, I, I grew up in um, Stowmarket, which is so about 20, 20 minutes or so from Ipswich, but yeah, Ipswich is where I was born. Right, and you spent most of your formative years there by the sound of it, did you? Yeah, yeah. So we, we, my family, we we lived in Stowmarket, um, yeah, all the time that I was a child and, and when I was growing up. Um, so I just I left when I went to university, but yeah, all my childhood was spent in in Stowmarket, and then going back to Ipswich for for football, watching the football. It's my it's my home team. So, but yeah, lots of happy memories of of the Stowmarket. It's a small town, but but it had everything that that you really wanted as a child. Brilliant. And what kind of things were you into as a child then, sort of music-wise or TV or cinema-wise? Oh, um, music-wise, I have to say, I'm a 90s child, so I was very much into that kind of pop of the, of the 90s. So massive, massive Spice Girls fan. Um, also into like Bewitched, Steps, all those kind of cheesy 90s groups that you probably vaguely remember. Um, TV, uh, TV-wise, I'm... Um, I, it was very much that kind of, I think when I used to come home from school, I, I remember having almost like a set routine of kind of watching Blue Peter into like News Round uh, and then and then Neighbours. And normally we used to have our tea while I was watching Neighbours. That's kind of, I remember those three very, very specifically sort of coming home from school and that being the, yeah, my kind of post-school routine. Um, and cinema-wise, we did have a small cinema in Stowmarket where I grew up actually. Um, and we did tend to get 
films that would that would come that'd come a bit later than like the, the latest releases. And I think I can remember I, met, I definitely went to go and see Spice World the movie there. I say Spice Girls is definitely um I remember going to go well I think one of my first memories is going to go and see um I think it was a, I think it's Disney, a film about Fox and the Hound. I just remember crying at the end, even the cinema crying because it was a sad ending. Um, but yeah, I think I think that was my first experience of the cinema. Brilliant. Now, listen, it's not every day we have a marathon runner on surfing the sixties and sevens. So, tell us a little bit about how you got into running and um, you know what you really value about that as um, something that I know you're passionate about. Yeah, I think well, I've always been sporty. Um, it's I had a child my childhood I'd kind of I played football a lot throughout my childhood um even like college I played for my college team so I always had an interest in sport and my, my dad was is very sporty still and I'd always kind of follow in his footsteps a bit and anything he tried like squash cricket I'd give it a go as well um but I suppose when I um when I sort of left home went to university I kind of wanted to keep fit still and, and joined a gym and I remember I used to like run on the treadmill a lot um and I, I never really it never really crossed my mind to run outside it, it didn't I wasn't I wasn't in that kind of thinking at all but I used to say run on the treadmill and I quite enjoyed the challenge of getting on there and setting myself a new distance target or time target um and things like that and I remember one day just someone came up to me and said like you know, why do you spend all your time running on that machine? You should be running outside. You're so like, you're so good at it kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I literally never thought about the prospect of just going for a run outside. And I remember, I remember it took me a bit, of, uh, it took me a bit to build up the confidence to do it. So I appreciate when people sort of might be listening and thinking, oh God, I, you know, running's not for me. And I, I do appreciate that because what's it wasn't my natural thing to do. Um, then I did it and I really enjoyed it. And set myself the target of doing the Lincoln 10K, which I think is often, for people around here, is often the um, sort of trigger point to getting into things. Um, I, and I said I'd do it, um, I, did, I did Lincoln 10K to celebrate handing in my dissertation at university, which was 10,000 words. So I thought I'd run a 10K for the 10,000 words. Um, and yeah, I ran that and I, I really enjoyed it. And that kind of sense of achievement and sharing it with so many other people, especially doing a home event in Lincoln. And I guess that kind of just kick-started me. And this, uh, the running community is very unique, I find, in that it's just so welcoming, so friendly. And you have people from all different walks of life who you kind of cross paths and meet. And it's quite, once you're in it, you, you're, you're in it and you get invited to go along to things and take part in races. And I... <laughs> And I remember um, the London Marathon was always something that even as a child, I used to watch on TV and think, oh, you know, one day I'd like to do that. Even though I wasn't really into running at all, one day I'd, I'd like to do that. And um, a charity that I was doing some volunteering with, they got their first ever London Marathon place, uh, a charity place, and they, and they offered it out to me. And I was like, well, yes, this seems like too good to turn down. So yeah, that was my first marathon, uh, London Marathon, in 2015, um, and just it was just incredible. Like uh, it's it's such a, an event that you bring again so many people together, raising money for such amazing causes, and the journey that you get you have to go on to get to that event. It's not just about that day. Sort of you know the sort of challenges and the sacrifices that people have made. Um, so yeah, so I ran that in 2015, and just literally just caught the bug. It's infectious. It is once you've done one, even though 
as at times during it, you think, oh gosh, never again, because it hurts and your legs hurt and afterwards you can't walk. And But then you find yourself signing up for another one. So so yeah, 10, 10 marathons I've completed now. It's different, different places and different experiences. And it's just a great way to see different cities and yeah, meet new people as well. Brilliant. And what was Chicago like last year? I mean, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was really, real special trip. And it was quite a special trip for me because I went on my own as well, which is quite a kind of scary thing to do at the same time. You know, running a marathon is, I would say, it's, although I've, you know, I've, I'm quite experienced it now, it's not a, it's not a low risk activity. You know, it's quite a, and so traveling over to America by myself and going on this kind of like personal kind of journey, it was a real special trip. But yeah, I loved the city of Chicago. It kind of had um, the the American feel, as I said, the, bu- the hustle and bustle of the city. But then you you just got Lake Michigan, just kind of right right there as well. So you kind of go and escape a little bit, and a, a little beach front as well. So I felt like it had a nice mix of yeah, kind of that experience of of being in the in the sort of crazy American with the long streets and the cars flying around everywhere, but also the escapism of being able to know that there's water just there. Um, and the weather was beautiful when I went as well. I was really lucky. Fantastic. What an achievement. And um, and and obviously um, one of the themes that sort of shone through um, your discussion about running is the um, um, the society, the community of people around you um, that you've met and what have you. Um, it seems as though um, to be cited in a, in a sports organisation like Lincoln City at the LNER Stadium now, and to be able to combine that with community organising seems to be the absolute perfect sort of um, context for you. Did you want to say something about um, how your interest in community organising um, developed um, to help people understand how those sort of strands came together? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, so my background, say, I studied sort of sport development at university, but I think I was always quite... Um, aware that it was it wasn't just the the being physically active which kind of brought people together there was always that community aspect associated with sport that sense of belonging um and I guess during my um studies at university I was also quite keen to not just be a, a student as such and not just be you know at the campus and I wanted to learn more about kind of Lincoln and and yeah what, what people that lived here and what went on so I got involved quite a lot during my studies in say community volunteering and to start with that was kind of I did seek out kind of sports-based volunteering so volunteering to sort of deliver coaching sessions or or yeah as a football coach um but as you kind of made as I made those connections within kind of the community sector and, and charities I, I soon learned that it wasn't just about the sport as well so I got more involved in kind of youth groups and then uh, just sort of social groups and yeah, things like that. And um, I have someone I met through um, this my volunteering. She was working, uh, well, she eventually got a job working as a community organiser in a different neighbourhood in Lincoln. And I just found it really interesting when she was telling me about her job and kind of the, the principles of kind of listening to people in an area and finding out what their real concerns were, that real kind of grassroots element of things. And I guess kind of combining that with my experience of grassroots sports I kind of got it and I thought yeah this makes a lot of sense um so I did some volunteering with her um kind of helping her to listen to people in in this sort of in this neighbor that she was working in uh, sort of doing 
kind of street listings or knocking on people's doors and having chats with them on their doorstep and got involved in sort of community projects off the back of that, which weren't always sports related. And it just kind of broadened my horizons, really. Um, so, so yeah, when the opportunity came up to to work with uh, Lincoln City Foundation in the sort of community organising team, you, you are right, it did feel like a kind of perfect fit because I still I could I could get I could continue with community organizing work and that ethos and, and developing communities but then the organization still has a, a focus on sport and activity as well so I can still be immersed in that environment and support other programs and colleagues um, and things like that so yeah I, I do I do feel like I'm in like almost like the perfect job now which is which is re- I feel really lucky to say and I do I do love my job. Uh, which again, I, is a, I think is a really great place to be. And if you can gen- genuinely say that, then yeah, I think you're, you're really happy with life. Yeah, thanks for that, Alice. Do you, do you, did you want to say something about your current role and what it entails? Yeah, so currently I, so I'm, I work at Lincoln City Foundation, the community organising team, and we uh, we work with residents in the Sitzel Bank neighbourhood of Lincoln. And we have done for a number of years now and kind of, we, our aim is to support residents to identify things that they may wish to change in the neighbourhood or things they'd like to see happening uh, or, or even, even issues or concerns they may have and, and work with them to think about ways they could collectively uh, tackle these. It, it may be through kind of physical projects, uh, like get, bringing people together to do something. It might be about challenging people in places of authority about what could be done, so maybe the council or working with council group or other groups to uh, see what can be done. Um, so I think my, my job, I feel really fortunate that my job is kind of, it's led by residents and that's really important. It's not about me kind of sitting at the office or de- and thinking, oh, this is what I want to do in Sitzel Bank and this is, what, this is what I think needs to happen. It's really about what the community, what the people who live in that area uh, feel, feel it would be beneficial. Um, so really, really fortunate to work with some really passionate dedicated and inspirational sort of local people who who give up their time uh, to to tackle things in the neighborhood and to make changes happen and you know and it's it is a lovely area to work in and it's, it's so diverse uh, and, and that's what sort of makes it sometimes challenging but also really rewarding as well yeah I've really loved it myself Alice uh, for those reasons and um you know, I mean, one of the things that struck me, I mean, I was lucky enough, um, as I was saying um, on the podcast with uh, Nev, to be able to attend the community organising um, training that you guys ran. And, um, you know, I can't recommend that highly enough to people, really. I, I really got a lot out of that day. And um, one of the things that struck me was the work that you do with people about confidence building and um, helping people to appreciate more fully the power that they actually do have as people in a in a context where often, you know, our first response may be, oh, that's somebody else's responsibility or I couldn't possibly sort of know where even to begin with that. You know, did, did you want to say something about power and, um, uh, and, and how um, you experience uh, the importance of that in the work that you do locally? Yeah, so I think that power is like an interesting word. I think we, as I say, we discuss it a lot during the, the training that you mentioned. And sometimes people perceive power as being quite negative, or you think of people in power. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, it's a, it's not a good, a good term to use. But people's personal power, as you say, can be quite 
transformational to them to realize that they have the capacity to to make changes and we talk a lot in community organizing about kind of collective power as well so bringing people together who have similar aspirations or similar concerns and you know one person on their own may feel quite sort of not insignificant they may feel quite sort of powerless almost they've got you know they're sat at home thinking I'm really worried about this if they find out that you know their neighbor on this their street feels the same as does the neighbor on the next street as does these people who live in the road uh, around the corner you know bring a few of those people together and realize they have a collective vision or a collective concern and and what can they do and and collaboration of ideas etc and it is a really kind of you can see how that collective power can form a real strong group um so yes i think we look we say we touched on it a lot during the training you mentioned and also um i think what i enjoy about community organizing is kind of going through that process with people um so uh, you know i always say to people that like, i'm not an expert we might there might be an, an issue or a, a dream that somebody has for the area and you know i've got i personally might have no experience of you know if someone says i want to create like a I don't know, um, a, a music project for my my area. I might have no experience that myself. And it's not about me telling people, oh, this is what you need to do, follow this. It's about kind of going through that learning journey together. And I'm almost like a critical friend as such, you know, like we kind of, you can bounce ideas off me, um, things like that. But I don't know the answers, but we, we learn together and we grow together and, uh, and hopefully we can make those changes happen. And I think with residents being at the core of that, it's, it's that kind of, empowerment i guess that we want people to go through that realization and they sort of stand back and change has happened or they have created an event or something for their neighborhood and they feel like wow i can do this and then hopefully they've gained the skills through going on that journey that if they want to do it again or they want to keep something going they they now feel they know what they what they can do and what what the steps they need to take yeah i think that's been very evident and not that i've been personally involved just from what i've seen sort of from the sidelines in respect, for example, of the Pocket Park and the Land Trust locally, you know, in terms of, um, you know, areas where um, I guess like many things in life, um, people come together and kind of work it out as they um, progress through the project together. Yes, yeah, that is a really good example, actually. So the Community Land Trust um a real sort of group that have gone a real a real strong journey together in the area so their kind of their aim is to um sort of regenerate assets for the community so they're primarily they're focused on empty homes in in the neighborhood so properties that have been long-term empty uh, and how they can look to purchase those and bring them back into into use for the community as like family homes uh, but also, as you mentioned, their work, they've been, they got funding to work on a, a sort of pocket park in the neighbourhood near to, um, or on St Andrew's Close, near to Bishop King Primary School and, and Play Zone. And again, this is like sort of, they've, been, they've got the lease of that piece of land um, and it's kind of theirs to do, to do, what, to do what they want with it. But the, the aim is to bring it back as a kind of community garden space. Um, but so I, I think definitely anybody in the group at the start of this probably we even knew what community land trust really was in, in the term. I think few of us may have heard of it, um, but I didn't really know fully what it is. So that's we've got, that group has really gone on a journey from even discovering what it is they're becoming part of and what it means to be a community land trust and the the, the, the things they need to consider about being leaseholders of land and potentially being 
homeowners of a property. So yeah, it's a really exciting group to neighbourhood and one that I feel could have uh, a real long-term impact and be a group that, you know, in 10, 20 years time, it's quite exciting to think where it could be. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Now, um, I, I, I know that um, obviously we're living through challenging times and um, things have been very tough for some families locally. We know that. Um, but I, I just wondered whether you wanted to um, give your own perspective, for example, into some of the challenges that you've seen people face locally um, since the pandemic started and how um, as an organisation and the Lincoln City Foundation has managed to continue offering assistance? Yeah, I think this year has just been a year that none of us could have ever really expected to happen. And we've all, I say, say this a lot to people, everyone's faced the challenge. It's almost like we've, we've all been in, in a challenge situation, but some people have had different challenges, but we've all, we've all experienced some sort of change to our lives that's had a sort of profound impact um, and I think during, during the pandemic, obviously, the, the sort of the crucial need that came out quite early was those, those people that were having to isolate or shield and they were sort of essentially at home and, and couldn't leave the house. So um, we, we, we coordinated a working with Lincolnshire Co-op, uh, we coordinated a community response team for the Central Bank neighbourhood. Um, so some local volunteers who were willing to do like shopping and collecting prescriptions and any other essential supplies for, for residents who, who were unable to leave the house and maybe didn't quite have those support networks close to them in Lincoln to, to help out. Um, so that was, you know, that was really kind of, I don't know how to, it was really sort of in a way kind of not sad, but hard to think of that these people were unable to leave their home and that, you know, they were, so reliant on you but it also felt really rewarding to kind of be able to go and you know just do that little shop at Tesco's which you know a few weeks back we all took for granted just nipping into the supermarket or, or wherever and and buying a few essentials and now suddenly this is becoming someone's kind of way of, of surviving this time um so yeah so we had the community response team uh which so we, we coordinate for the area and also we had to try obviously and shift to quite a lot of our sort of groups, meetings, uh, activities online where possible, obviously face-to-face -face kind of interaction, uh, gatherings of people just not even considered in the, in the peak of the pandemic. Um, so we did kind of, yeah, Zoom, uh, Zoom became my number one friend, I think. We did lots of Zoom meetings. Um, we said to catch up with people. It, was, it helped keep things like the Community Land Trust going during the, during the pandemic. So we were able to keep with the, the group meetings, but also just kind of having kind of those sociable chats with people at times. Uh, I think that was another thing that I was aware of uh, during the time of people feeling kind of like isolated in the neighbourhood. So it might be that they were able to go out and, you know, go for a daily exercise or they were able to go and get shopping. But if they lived by themselves or if they perhaps, even if they lived with, with somebody else, but they were normally very, very sociable, you had lots of, you know, activities and groups you belonged to, suddenly all that stopping can be quite hard. So ways that we could keep, keep people connected to one another and keep the conversations going and keep, keep people feeling positive. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, that's so valuable, that kind of work, isn't it? You can't put a price on it really. And um, what I was just wondering, Alice was um, whether you just wanted to say a little bit in terms of where you are with your service delivery sort of, you know, at the moment in, in now that, you know, things have changed and, 
you know, um, social distancing has meant that um, to some extent we're able to return to offering some degree of face-to-face support to people. How are you um, managing that at the LCF? Yeah, so you're right. We're able to slowly start to resume some activities in the sort of the past few weeks. Um, Obviously, we continually have to be adaptable and aware of of the government guidance and and I think um, you can't ever really feel like everything's truly settled at the minute but yeah we've been able to with social distancing measures and with making sure we've got kind of COVID secure venues with appropriate kind of hand washing facilities and sanitizer and screens and things available we are able to start doing some activities now Um, I suppose most what I'm most looking forward to is um, we're hoping next week um, or, or towards the end of September to be able to restart some of our face-to-face sort of conversation groups again um, and have sort of small group sizes of people coming to support them with uh, learning English and feeling more confident in communicating with, um, with others, uh, especially in the neighbourhood. If, um, if and it's, I think that's uh, it's a real skill to have, especially if we are, if we do, for whatever reason, face any further restrictions, people may need to ask for help and things again to feel confident in speaking to our neighbours and things is really really valuable and we've also um, been working sort of post post said post the peak of the pandemic on a on our tackling loneliness together project Um, so sort of this is citywide but also we engage with a lot of people uh, in in the central bank area and just ways that we can uh, bring together sort of um, older adults and, and adults who who again may may have found that during the pandemic a lot of their normal kind of social groups have stopped uh, and ways that we can sort of encourage sort of that social social mixing again but in sort of safe controlled environments so we've been we've restarted a number of health walks which obviously they're outside and you can maintain your distance there and small group sizes again to help people feel secure um, we have sort of a, a weekly meetup at the stadium uh, sort of call it a stadium meetup which we sit outside in the stand itself so we're not in an indoor venue and we can obviously plenty of room to socially distance inside an empty football stadium um so people can again sit and just have a chat and catch up with people and i think these sort of um almost like having a bit of a routine again for people something to look forward to knowing that oh yes on friday at 11 o'clock i can go down there it just makes that makes the weeks feel a bit more a bit more normal again or a bit have a bit more focus to your days um, and we hope to be able to so hopefully, fingers crossed, as some restrictions, can, if they continue to lift, we can begin to look at resuming kind of other activities um, uh, and things like that. But yeah, yeah, we, we want to try and offer as much support as we can uh, but within the guidance. Yeah, fantastic, Alice. Where can people contact you if they want to find out more? Um, so our office at Lincoln City Foundation is... Is it's open most of the time now. We're, we're still operating sort of on a reduced staff, um, and sometimes people are working from home a lot. But you can always say pop into there. Um, we also we are online a lot, so we have our um, you can contact us via email or uh, via phone. So if we are working remotely, we're still accessible. Um, but so I'll probably uh, you can just our community email is really easy to remember. It's just community at lincolncityfoundation.co.uk and that's picked up by our all of our team so it's a good way to just if you want to have an initial inquiry or conversation you can get in touch with us that way yeah and i'm delighted to hear that the conversation classes are um 
hopefully restarting soon. I mean, I know how valuable that has been in terms of my own work in Sinsel Bank over the last 12 months. So um, I hope all that goes well with the um, projects that you've got planned. And we're all keeping our fingers crossed, I guess, that, um, you know, the situation doesn't deteriorate any further and that we can kind of get back on top of it again and um, start moving forward because um, the opportunities that it presents for people to come together again and start regaining a sense of normality is um, so valuable for people, really, isn't it? So, but Alice, um, so I'm sure we're all a bit still at sixes and sevens at the moment. So what three tips would you give to the people of Lincoln and Sinsel Bank to help us all keep surfing these sixes and sevens? Um, I think one thing that's been uh, key for me, I think over the last sort of, well, I keep saying weeks, it's actually months, isn't it? This year is almost a bit of a blur of one sort of month, it feels like. Um, but I think it's been key for me is just to be to keep, keep in touch with people, keep talking to people. I mean, I, I, I live by myself, so you know, I was quite isolated as such during the sort of core weeks of the pandemic. But I found that, you know, just people just sending me a text message or, you know, giving me a quick call or just having those chats with people. I say, I think you, you said earlier, you can't put a price on how valuable that is for people just to have a chat and just to know that someone's kind of thinking of you. And, and at the same time, it gives people a, a chance if you are feeling a bit, like you're struggling with something that day or you're feeling a bit down about something, you know, you might just taunt that person at the right time. They can just be like, oh, do you know what? You know, you've really cheered me up today or it's been so good to talk to somebody today. So I think, yeah, keep in touch with people, keep talking and, and don't be afraid if, if there are days where you feel like, oh, you know, it all feels so frustrating or it all feels so, you know, hard at the minute because we've all, we've all, I'm sure we've all faced times like those in the last and the last well this year and we can all sort of sympathize and support one another um i think I, I i mean i'm probably slightly biased but i think i think also the um during the pandemic the daily exercise i think really i think people really realized how important that was for them you know getting outside getting going for a walk enjoying the surroundings around you taking some time to switch off so i think people to still think about don't forget that I know as, as life maybe starts to pick up a little bit in terms of your you know if you're back to work or you're you know you've got children to take to school or or whatever's happening in your routine don't don't forget about how you felt how important that hour walk was or that half an hour you went out for a, a run or a cycle ride or whatever and, and the impact that had on your well-being during that time and you know I think that's important for people to not lose as life starts to get maybe a little bit busier again I mean I know I, my my running and my even being active is so important for me um, so I hope other people realise and keep that going as well Brilliant and if you could pilot an aircraft with a banner hanging out of the back for everybody in Lincoln um, to see and our friends in Sinsel Bank what slogan would you put on it Alice? And I think I say it a lot to people so I think I'd have to be mine's always I always say keep positive I know it's really simple I, I, I always say that to people I'm like keep positive and I do think that's something that I do try to do myself I know it's it sometimes feels hard but trying to find the positives in in, in situations you know that there's something good to come out of it and um, and, um I think uh, someone to someone to be really powerful about it's okay to to, uh, I can't quite get it right now. It was about being positive. You need to feel positive as well. So you know, accept that some days it might it might be hard to to be positive 
as in like you might not feel like you want to walk around with a massive smile on your face. If you feel it inside, there's some hope there uh, for the future that it will come through strongly. Uh, so yeah, keep positive and try and find those those good things to look forward to. I think even in the sort of the hardest times of the pandemic, I always I always was hopeful for the future. I think that's what kept me going is that I knew that the life I had was really good and I love my job and I've got a great group of friends and my running community and things. So I was like, I, I will get back to that. We will get back to that. And that kind of positive light at the end of it all was what kept me kept me going. Brilliant, Alice. Well, that's a great message to uh, leave us all with, you know, the power of hope. So thanks very much. I mean, I could chat to you all morning, Alice, but um, <laughs> I know we've all got work to do. So listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and um, good luck um, with the projects you've got planned over the autumn um, and um, have a great week. And thanks very much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Cool. No worries, Ian. Thanks for chatting to me. All the best. Bye. If you feel that you would benefit from some coaching and mentoring to support you in the achievement of your own goals, Sinsel Steps has space and it's completely free to residents in the Sinsel Bank area of Lincoln. Please ring me on 07534 444 601 if you'd like to find out more. The project is currently running until the 24th of July.